Hello everyone, uh, this is Michael Lieboff. I'm here with a friend of mine from Twitter, John Haggerty. Uh, we're here to talk about Europeans, uh, not just Europeans, but people from outside the U.S. who, who kind of have fallen in love with uh, American sports and more specifically American sports teams. Uh, as this podcast grows, I figured this this would be a good uh, starting point as I'm an Islander fan and that's how I know John and know of John. And uh, He's coming to us from, he's originally from South Wales, a uh, small town in South Wales, and now in L- London. So, John, uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, the town in South Wales, the sporting culture there, and how you kind of ended up uh, finding yourself in London. Hi, Mike. Uh, yeah, so, so South Wales, it's, uh, it's not England, so that's the first uh, misconception that a lot of people have. Um, the town itself, it's a, it's a really, it's really just an old, an old mining community. Um, a lot of working class um, people. In terms of sporting cultures, I mean, rugby. Rugby is perceived to be the dominant sport in Wales. Um, it's the it's the thing they, they push on you as you grow up as a kid. It's uh, all of the schools um, get you to play it uh, from a young age. Um, soccer, football, as we would, we would call it over here. Again, pro- probably actually the biggest sport in Wales, and uh, that might be controversial to some people um, on this side of the pond, but. Uh, as a kid, that was the that was the big social thing. Um, you either played football or you played rugby. You may play cricket in the summer. Um, so sports have really been sort of a big part of big part of my life, big part of most people's lives in that part of the world. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting too. You know, obviously Wales uh, having that little bit of a run or a really nice run in the Euros. Uh, you started to see kind of the the flag pop up around here in in. In the city, especially um, as bars kind of establish themselves as the, the the kind of headquarters to watch the the team uh, through that through that run. Uh, so, was soccer kind of your or football your first your first sport uh, ahead of rugby? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was uh, I was a pretty small kid. Um, mm-hmm. It didn't really start growing until I was about fourteen. Uh, so, getting bashed around by those big lads at that age that wasn't really for me. Um, <laughs> Figured, uh, figured I'd be better sticking to a bit more, bit, bit more of a nimble game in uh, in football. But I only really played it up until the age of sort of fifteen, um, and then sort of socially afterwards. Um, funnily enough, uh, and I think we'll talk about this a bit later. The, uh, the other sport that was really into as a kid was uh, ice hockey. Huh. Um, so the leagues around, uh, not sort of recreationally, but pro pro hockey in the UK is, is something, especially in South Wales, has been quite a an underground, uh, an underground culture. If you if you knew about it, it was great, um, and the people who are into it are super into it. Um, I was lucky enough that my my school, when I was maybe maybe twelve, thirteen, um, would take us on school trips to the old the old ice rink in Cardiff to watch our local team, the Devils. And uh, from a young age, sort of introduced to the game in that way. It was um, it was different, and you know, I had my I had my Cardiff Devils jersey. I was probably the only kid in in the town to have one. Um, but as 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 you grow up, you realise that it's uh, it's not very well popular, popular sorry publicised. Uh, you, know, you can't get it on TV. Um, I moved away from Wales when I was eighteen to go to university, and uh, sort of came away from the game. Um, but football's always been my big love. Uh, big Arsenal fan, as you said, a big proud Welshman. Fantastic to play in the Euros last year, and um, that's uh, that's always been the sort of constant through my. Through my life, I guess falling on falling on sport in uh, and Arsenal, Arsenal Wales in particular is my two uh, my two loves. 
But um, for the hockey, the hockey thing and has always been there. It's just uh, it's something that uh, reignited, I think, in late life um, as I got older, through a number of reasons. Um, and I think we'll probably touch on those, touch on those in a bit. Yeah, so that's interesting. The, you, you, I know I know a couple guys just through different hockey players I've, I've kind of known uh, or you know know siblings of. Who've, who've played over there, and I'm pretty sure what is it, the EIHL or something like that. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and that's right. So, do you go to do you go to a lot of games? Do you see, you know, Cardiff or I, I know there's a teams in like Sheffield and uh, other parts of England. I don't. How many teams is Cardiff the only team in Wales? Uh, Cardiff's the only team in Wales. Uh, funnily enough, I think Cardiff. And I might prove wrong on this because I don't know my geography too well. I think Cardiff are the most southern team mm-hmm. in the English EIHL league. So, funnily enough, there's no team in London. There's no teams in the sort of south of England. Um, it's a very, it's a very hockey established. It's an, it's an established hockey culture in, in towns like Nottingham, Manchester, Manchester, uh, Sheffield, in Belfast, and it's a big, uh, big part of Scotland as well. But um, yeah, I mean Cardiff are the only the only pro team in Wales. Uh, they they recently moved to a new arena. They've had. Uh, the last couple of years have been absolutely fantastic for them. They've had a lot of investment from a consortium from Calgary, um, so that's brought a bit of bit of North American flair to the to the product. Mm. Um, but in terms of a sport, it's, uh, it, it's it's like I said, it's one of those. If you know about it, you you, you go and it's and, and you love it. And not know anyone who's been to a hockey game in Wales and not enjoyed themselves. Um, but it's. Uh, it's very, it's very much on the back foot in terms of in terms of numbers and coverage. Gotcha. And, and what 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 uh what kind of crowds would you draw? Not not just in Cardiff, but you know, like you said, Nottingham, uh, Dundee, I think, as a team. What what kind of crowds would you consider like that's a or average attendance? That's a good number compared to maybe one that doesn't attract uh, as many fans and say that you know that's a bad number per game. So I would say um, it really depends on whether the team has an arena to play in. So some of them use multi-purpose arenas, probably similar to the ones you'd see in the US, which mm-hmm. hold concerts, uh, conventions, etc. Uh, and then others have purpose-built or temporary ice rinks, um, which predominantly be used for public public skating events, etc. Cardiff are lucky in the sense that they've had a new purpose-built rink specifically for hockey. Um, and this season, they're in the top of the EIHL league. They've just won the Challenge Cup, which is the equivalent sort of knockout cup in the UK. We like those things, like the FA Cup. Uh, yeah, yes, yeah, okay. yeah, similar sort of format, um, but with a, with a kind of group stage at the same time. So, mm-hmm. uh, I think think more Champions League, I guess. Okay. In, in soccer terms, uh, so the, the team in Cardiff are doing really well. They get, uh, I think they get three or four thousand sellouts every week. Okay. Um, Nottingham and. Sheffield probably more in the region of five or six thousand. The arenas are a lot bigger, but then the Scottish teams who are more towards the bottom of the league. I mean, I've never been up there for a hockey game, but I don't think the uh, I don't think the fans turn out when there when there's not a lot of success on the ice. So, a couple of hundred, you could probably hear the uh, you could probably hear the guy selling hot dogs. More than you could hear the crowd in that case. But that's still, I mean, that's still more than than I would even. Uh, you could say it, maybe it's a little ignorant. I, w- I would have guessed, you know, a really solid average attendance would be somewhere between fifteen hundred and two thousand. Just, but you know, that shows how wrong I was about that. So, but that shows, you know, you got a, a hockey background. So, um, you know, kind of just through where you grew up, and and so how and why did you find and fall in love with the 
heartbreaking New York Islanders who will, you know, just kick you while you're down and then pour hot oil on your face and just make everything horrible around you. So, yeah, how just how did you kind of become an Islander fan? So I think I'd have to go back a couple of years. Uh, it was, firstly, I think, falling back in love with the sport generally. Um, probably in my sort of mid to mid-twenties. My friends just started going to watch the Devils in Cardiff more often. So whenever I was back in Wales, I'd try and tag along, get some game. And they, they'd also sort of picked up the the coverage in the in, in America and latched onto different teams. I think I think my best mate's uh, a Kings slash Bruins slash whatever team plays in black uh, <laughs> fan. Um, so I kind of had that. That sort of urge to to get into it in that same similar sort of way, but not really. I mean, it's difficult to emotionally attach yourself to a team from the other side of the world. Mm-hmm. So I was lucky enough to get over to New York one time, and uh, uh, whenever I go on holiday, really keen to see a bit of bit of sport. And I had the I had the hard time convincing uh, my other half, who I was travelling with at the time, to go to to anything. Uh, and it was a choice, if I remember rightly, between the Mets opening day, because it was sometime in April, uh-huh. uh, or the Islanders' last one home game in the Coliseum. I think it was against Florida. Uh, it was the year that it was the year after the Olympics, or just after the Olympics. So John Tavares was gone; he wasn't even playing. Hmm. Uh, they were the worst team in the East, definitely the worst team in the East, <laughs> possibly in the NHL. Um, but. It takes a lot of boxes. It was cheap for starters, so it didn't take much convincing to get to get other people to come along. Um, it was, I, I think it just all fell into place. The experience of the Coliseum, I mean, you know this better than I have. I've, I've been there on a handful of occasions, but obviously, you know, not going, not knowing the history of the place. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first, the first thing that struck me was, it was just completely the opposite experience of what I would get going to watch Arsenal in the Premier League in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, it was completely the opposite of everything that I associated with American pro sport. And this isn't meant to sound derogatory towards the Islanders because over the subsequent years I've grown to love all of the the, the good, the bad, the ugly, and as you know, there's plenty of each. Uh, but... I remember sitting there in the Coliseum having taken a train and a taxi from Manhattan, which I couldn't believe that there was any public <laughs> transport to start with. Yeah. Um, walking from the Hempstead Turnpike there you go. into the uh, into the sort of arena, being sort of forced down this stone stony sort of uh, orange-tiled corridor, which reminds me more of my uh, my school canteen than, than an arena. And... Uh, I mean, the place was like a third full, but it just—it just grabbed me. I don't know. It's one of those strange, like intangible feelings that actually there's something really cool going on here. Like it's—it's—it's not the—it's not the New York Rangers. It's not—it's not on Broadway. It's not glitzy. It's not—it's not pretty. But there's this team in the suburbs that the people here and I'm talking to a couple of guys who looked as old as the furniture. Um, people just really cared about what was going on. I mean, the people that were there. Uh, and I mean, they won, which is obviously you know a great starting point. But the more and more I sort of just embraced the whole thing, I just really just latched on to what it was all about. And uh, 
um, I remember on the on the train ride home, sort of googling, you know, Wikipedia and about the team and the franchise and where they've come from. You realise it's just such a strong identity with that with that club um, throughout the history. You, you wouldn't even you wouldn't even realise. I mean, they're not they're not fashionable in any sense. Um, you've struggled to get an Islanders T-shirt, hat, jersey in the UK, even through like popular American sports websites. Um, but just everything about it just grabbed me at that moment, and I, I don't know. Something just flips. I've got, I've got the the, the, the fancies, you know, popular, world world global brand in Arsenal, first love of my life, sporting wise by far. But having something the complete opposite of that in terms of this really community driven, um, established sort of second team in New York. Yeah, I love New York as a city. It's uh, it was just brilliant. It was just a brilliant thing, and uh, I think if they lost, it might it might not have been the same, the same experience. But everything about it just sort of grabbed me at that moment. It was, it was weird. And then ever since, I, I don't know. I just, I just just fall in love with it. The sport, the team, everything. Yeah, sure. Like I mean, the Coliseum's got that that weird power, or had that weird power about it, um, where you know I brought people from different cities here in the U.S. who were already big hockey fans and, you know, Bruins fans and from Boston and they just couldn't believe the Coliseum and, you know, kind of just what it was and that it, that it existed in, in that kind of culture. But yeah, I mean, it, it, the, the, and you kind of sum it up perfectly. If, if, if kind of Nassau politicians had heard what you just said there, maybe we wouldn't, you know, have be talking about this and the Islanders would still be in Uniondale, but that's kind of, you know, uh, besides the point here. And so then, you know, you go back to, to, I guess at the point that point you were living in London, um, you go back to London with this newfound love for the Islanders. Uh, so that was the end of the season. The next season, how did you start to watch them? You know, were any of your other friends? Did you kind of try to get them into watching the NHL, etc.? Um, what kind of challenges and and how did to of watching them and how did you overcome them and kind of keep track of uh, the Islanders? Because for you guys, it's a lot more difficult than for Americans to watch the Premier League because, you know, that's at the, the start of the day. We can wake up early once a week to watch, uh, you know, a soccer team play uh, in England, whereas the Islanders, what, they play at 12.30 most nights of your time, or 12, 12.30? Yeah, about then, yeah. That'd be, right at midnight on, yes. on the East Coast. So how did how did that um, how did that kind of, you know, did that deter you at all, or did you find a way to, to watch and keep track? Do you know what? I've got to give it, I've got to, give it to the NHL as a... As an organisation, their their social media and their, their their media coverage generally is absolutely brilliant. For a for a guy on the other side of the pond, who I mean, I work uh, I work in the city in London. You know, I can't uh, I can't necessarily stay up till till three a.m. three to four nights a week. Um, but uh, but the content which they're able to, to push out to you really does keep you in touch with it. Uh, their mobile app is fantastic. You, you you basically get push notifications all night. You wake up in the morning. You're having your cup of tea or your, your cup of coffee, and you can just watch the the highlights of the of the hockey from the night before. You know, it's a it's a really cool way of digesting it. I mean, and I don't know whether you guys get something similar with the with the Premier League. I mean, we we have a lot of stuff like that locked down for for sort of licensing and and, and broadcast rights purposes mm-hmm. in the UK. So if you do, um, that's awesome. Yeah, we we since N- since NBC Sports uh, took over the the broadcasting of the Premier League, things have you know grown. 20 folds. It's hard to even kind of explain how big 
that that deal was. We get every game, every you know, is available, and you can watch them on demand after. So that's that. That is, uh, you know, I f six seven years ago I used to watch you know the illegal streams of Everton, but uh, then even before that I would be able to watch one or two games if I was lucky on TV on Fox Soccer Channel. So uh, that's changed everything, and and I got to say that NBC Sports who. To, who also has the broadcast rights to the NHL, do a much better job with the Premier League than they do with the NHL. But, um, you know, I digress a little bit. So, so you, um, how many games would you say you, you, you actually watch live uh, a year? Well, it makes it easier when, uh, when it's a matinee start in mm -hmm. the U.S. So that would be uh, typically between 6 and 9 p.m. in the U.K. Um, so I try to watch as many of those as possible. Uh, in terms of staying up late, I mean... It depends on the game. I can't miss a Rangers game now. You know, once you've got that taste for it, you realise that that's uh, that's the big one in the calendar to watch. Um, since the uh, my sort of first playoff experience with watching or following the Islanders, uh, I always try and get get up for the Caps games. They were always a bit tasty. Uh, so I would say picking a number between sort of ten and fifteen, depending on how the schedule sort of pans out. Gotcha, and. Uh when, uh, I'm not, and I'm not a morning person, so it's, yeah, me, yeah, I'm it's with you on tough, that. It's tough to get up the next day. Yeah, luck. Yeah, I, I you know I work at night now, so it it, it kind of helps with the watching. But when um, say you go, you know, you go into work and and you're talking to a colleague, you know, maybe you stayed up to watch the Islanders, Caps, or the Penguins, or maybe the Rangers. Uh, do they know that you your you know your colleagues know that you're a big hockey fan, and and can you kind of relate to them or explain what? you know, the sport means to you and, you know, kind of what you just watched and, and, and why you, you know, I mean, I'm sure that they think you're maybe a little, a little nuts for staying up till three in the morning to watch, you know, the New York Islanders play hockey when you, when you live in London. So what, what kind of reaction do you get from people when you say, oh, wow, you, you know, you look pretty tired today and you say, well, I was up till three in the morning watching, you know, watching the Islanders. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm pretty tired most days, uh, so <laughs> there's not usually too much difference. Um, I'm usually a bit perky when they win, um, so that's probably the first thing that they would notice, rather than me being uh, more miserable or grumpy than usual. Um, I do have my my mask on, little John Tavares uh, Lego figure, which sits on my desk, and uh, typically people who who haven't had the discussion yet when they come over, um, they'll be, "Oh, you're a hockey fan." Uh, I didn't know we had hockey in the UK, so that's the first that's the first start. Uh, so I have to explain that one usually, and. Uh, then moving on. I mean, the guys, uh, the guys who I used to chat with, especially sports-wise, they're the big sports fans in general. So they can relate to the the skill levels, the physicality, and all all of that good stuff that the NHL brings. And to be honest, I think the hockey and I mean, hockey and football, soccer, very similar in terms of the the style of play, the the, the sort of the flow of the game. Mm -hmm. It's a it's one of the more fluid US sports, and I think that's why. I find it a lot easier to follow as a as a sport in general rather than something say like the the NFL, which is very very prescriptive and stop start and it uh, it doesn't it doesn't have that sort of that constant flow of action. Um, right. But but yeah, I mean the guys uh, the guys around me are pretty. I talk. I like to talk about sport generally, whether they want to listen or not. So I guess I kind of push it on them as much as anything else. Uh, they do think I've been that so <laughs> definitely. Do you, do you know any uh, any Ranger fans? I don't personally, but my only experience of meeting a Ranger fan was in London, and 
I think it was during last year's playoffs. Um, I was walking back, just walking through the city, one of the quieter parts, because it was on the weekend, and it's, it's typically where, because uh, they think of, I don't know, Wall Street in New York, it's busy during the week, but on the weekend, there's literally nobody around. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was wearing my, I was wearing my Islanders hat, and some guy comes up to ask me, oh, do you know where I can watch the, uh, the Rangers? I think, it, I think they played Tampa Bay at one point. Um, yeah, they're playing was, P- yeah, Pittsburgh last year, Tampa Bay two years ago. Uh, that would have been that would have been it then, yeah. Um, and he came to ask me, "Is like, oh, is there anywhere I can watch it?" And there's literally like one Canadian bar in London, which, if it's on Premier Sports, which is our only UK channel that has the rights to the NHL, that would be the only place he could possibly have seen it. So, had the uh, the five minute conversation, and and he, as much as as much as me seeing uh, or being able to talk about the NHL, London was a cool thing. He couldn't believe that, that all the teams, all the people he bumped into in London, it was an Islanders fan from the UK. <laughs> So it was a bit of a strange sort of, <laughs> bit of a strange sort of coincidence that we had that that in common, but then also that that unfamiliarity of like, this is a bit weird. <laughs> and he was uh, he was an American that bumped into you, not a. Yeah, American. He was. He was uh, I think he was on holiday or visiting someone, and uh, he sort of <laughs> in the, it was a bit of a Superman moment. He sort of ripped his uh, ripped his overcoat <laughs> open and had the sort of Rangers T-shirt underneath. I was like, oh man, that's that's cool, but. I wish it was a different team. Now, have you have you ever been able to watch an Islander game? Obviously, like you know, the schedule makes it almost almost near impossible. Um, with with kind of a group of people, not over here but over there. Um, you know, maybe whether it's whether it's on maybe Premier Sport, which I'm assuming the Islanders aren't on much, uh, or you know, just on a on a you know a streaming service, uh, an NHL or uh, smart TV or something. Yeah, so um, last January, I mean, I, I, thankfully New York, in terms of a holiday destination for the UK, is one of the easier places to get to. Uh, so I've been over a few times, and I do like to try and catch as many Islanders games as possible. Uh, but I took my brother over last year, um, caught an Islanders game at Barclays Centre, and now he's kind of been, had the buggers in a similar sort of way that I have. Mm-hmm. He can, he's... He's always watching the highlights. He's, he's 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 clued up on the team. He's got his favorite players, that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, we do we do try to sit down and like catch a matinee game um, through the NHL subscription service that we uh, that we've got. And um, it's quite funny actually because I look at I look at the way that he uh, he sort of follows them, and it reminds me a lot of how I got into it. Starting off not really knowing what I was watching, although I did have more of a hockey background from my younger days than he does, but. Over the sort of eighteen months that he's been, I would say, an Islander fan, <laughs> he started to get a, a lot more passionate about what's happening, uh, what's not happening, the plays that are called, the plays that aren't. Um, you kind of fall into that just being a really big sports fan attitude of, of, of genuinely caring about the what's going on on the ice, and um, uh, there's not that's not that's not just casually watching something. That's that's I think that's that's when you realise like. You really do care about what's, you know, you're really into what's happening, mm-hmm. and uh, it's not just, it's not just a casual passing of, of, of watching a bit of hockey. It's yeah, I'm really, I'm really into this. Yeah, it's really, I mean, it's really cool to hear because I, th- I feel like you know, people say you know, less maybe a little less than a decade ago when you'd have uh, people from England or uh, even Wales or, or you know Ireland come over and see that people really cared about the Premier League as much as they do here and, you know, the, the lengths people would go to to watch, it was kind of the same, like a moment like that 
where they're like, wow, these people actually do care despite yeah. the, the uh, you know, the distance and the fact that, you know, they, there's no global, there's no um, which, regional uh, reason uh, to watch this team. Uh, and, and so you, 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 you know, you've talked a lot about hockey. Do you, you don't watch any other, I guess, uh, North American sports, um, like you do the NHL, do you? Um, I wouldn't say so. Not to, not to that extent. Um, uh, I'm, I'm a big Twitter, well, how would you call it? Big Twitter follower, I suppose. Uh-huh. So a lot, a lot of the guys that I get my, uh, my Islanders information slash opinion from, during the hockey season, seem to turn into de facto New York Mets fans in the summer. So I kind of have that pushed on me. Um, although I would never, I wouldn't quite go as far as to say I was a Mets or a baseball fan. But I think that might be the next thing. If uh, if I was ever in the city in the summer, I think I probably have to have to check that out. Yeah, I think baseball is funny with, uh, with with people from you know not not just Europe but anywhere that 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 it's not really part of the culture because it is much more complicated and less fluid than basically anything, uh, any other sport that you can really think of. So trying to explain it to someone, it, it definitely takes a while. But I, you know, I've talked to some people from Italy who talk about, you know, the Super Bowl and, and when the Super Bowl is on and what bars kind of do in England and, and Italy and some, someone in Finland saying that bars will, will offer the Super Bowl, kind of do like a after hours, lock the door, uh, don't let anyone in after this certain amount of time, and kind of had a, have a mini Super Bowl party. Uh, have, have you ever been like kind of privy to anything like that um, with either you know American football or perhaps you know basketball, anything like that? Uh, not personally, but I know that it does happen. I mean, London being the, I think I think they're getting an NFL team in the next couple of years. I would see. I think so too. I think I, London I, and Mexico I, City. I think, I think they're playing at the new the new arena, the Tottenham. Are building at the moment. That seems to be where all of the uh, all the coverage is over here. So, I think a lot of it's geared up to that. Oh, London's obviously they have what two or three, four games a season. Yeah. Uh, the bars and the and the sports sports bars in, in the city are, are really tuned into that. And yeah, I mean, Super Bowl comes round. It's probably. I mean, I'm not going to say it's as big over here as it is in the US, but it's probably pretty close. Um, and there's certainly uh, certainly a very strong fan base uh, to support that. Yeah. Um, that's that's crazy to me. It's just not my thing. Yeah, no, no. I, it, trust me, I'm not. I'm not a. I don't. I mean, I don't find football to be terribly exciting. I, you know, sometimes I get wrapped up in it a little bit, but uh, it's it's to me, it's it's nowhere near. You know, the like you stopped talking about fluid sports, and that's that's the kind of stuff that I like. But uh, you know, just one more thing, um, kind of before before we we wrap this up is the uh, now that you 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 know you watch the games and you are kind of, you know, you know, I'm following you on Twitter. You, you seem to have a good head about you on, on, on the sport and how the NHL works. What, um, what kind of gripes do you have about the sport and like what rule changes would you like to see that the league implement? Um, I think the, I think the instigator, the instigator rule seems to be the one that even in the UK, people are talking about as being detrimental to the, I'm not going to go as far as to get open the debate on safety, but in terms of, I mean, people people enjoy seeing the fighting element, especially over here mm-hmm. in the hockey. It's it's the unique side of it where you know it's it's a man man on man, and you know it's you, you, if you cross that line, then you have to protect yourself, protect your teammates, um, and the instigator rule seems to have taken taken 
that liberty from players away in a in a way that they aren't as willing to protect the guys around them. So I think that would be one that I would certainly look at. The the other thing is probably the the offside um, rule in hockey. And I, I I I'll be honest. I struggle with it sometimes with the uh, with the old slow mo replays and delays laid offsides and that kind of thing so maybe it's my not quite being up to speed on no there's a there's that. a pretty big movement over here to, to to at least tweak the offside rules there are some people who don't want to see offsides be called anymore really okay so yeah. so you're not alone there so i think that's probably yeah maybe the two big areas that i'd i pick off the top of my head yeah, I think I think as a as a new fan, the, the the way that the you know I was actually talking to someone from Ireland the other day, and he, and he referred to the, the rink you know as a pitch, which I kind of like. So so the pitch is set up in hockey is is with the lines and the dots. I, if I was coming into a sport and I saw that, I would be a little bit uh, intimidated, trying to figure out like what does this line stand for? What what is what are, what are these different colors for? The trapezoid now, especially uh, since it, it was implemented, you know, fifteen. Jeez, I can't believe it's been long, but fifteen years ago. So. Like getting over that and getting into like the rules of icing and offsides definitely would would be intimidating. So I can definitely see where you're coming from. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I guess it, I guess it helps as um, <laughs> in the UK that we've got so many uh, so many adverts on the ice that you you really <laughs> notice the lines half the time. So it's not so much of a problem in that sense. And, and are there any um, you know this will be the last question for you? Are there any rules in the EIHL that are different uh, from the NHL? I don't think there are. I think they pretty much follow the same format, even with the, uh, I think even the three-on-three overtime came in this season. Um, Admittedly, I don't get to as many EHL games as I I used to, but I think they probably follow a standard format. Although, obviously, over here, the league title is is the big one, so I I think that would be the equivalent to like a President's Trophy in the US. Uh Um, The team that finishes top of the standings, that's the big one that everyone wants to win. And, and you, do you like that more than a, than a playoff system? Do you like just the, the best team should be rewarded with the biggest trophy at the end of the year? I, I think so. Yeah. But I think, it, again, the money isn't probably there to sustain that kind of playoff um, playoff culture in the UK. Uh, having a team, having to hold, hold arena dates that far in advance, not guaranteeing the income off them, I don't think it would be sustainable. So the way they do it at the moment, they have a sort of, I think it's the top, Top eight or top eight teams would play in a in a quarterfinal, and then you have a playoff weekend of four teams, two semifinals, and a final. Uh, I think that's the only, that's the only sustainable way to do it. But mm-hmm. but in terms of the the prestige of it, yeah, the league title is the one over here. That's the that's the big difference. Awesome. Well, John, I really appreciate it. Um, I think that you know people really like to hear what what someone from born in a in a small town in in South Wales has to uh, say about hockey and. I would be remiss without mentioning that, uh, you know, those Campesinos was a huge band for me in uh, in college. So, and I, I know a couple of them are Welsh. So, I gotta give some love to them. Just like we appreciate it. Yeah. Other than that, man, enjoy. Hopefully, the Islanders get us a win tonight. On, at, that game's at ten. So, uh, I'm sure that you know tomorrow morning. Hopefully, you wake up with a win that, and this playoff push kind of continues. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'd love to get to a playoff game myself. So. Uh... Yeah, let's get you over here for one, man. Hopefully. I'll let you know. All right, bud. All right, thanks again. Thanks a lot.